Wednesday, December 27th, having a conversation concerning today's headlines and real-life challenges. I'm Tom Lamprecht, along with Pastor Harry Reeder. Stay with us as we apply a biblical worldview with gospel solutions to put the issues of today in perspective. Harry, yesterday we talked about the tax package that was passed by Congress. There was another news story that made headlines last week, and that was Donald Trump's national security strategy speech. To highlight the four pillars of that speech, protect the homeland, promote American prosperity, preserve peace through strength, and advance American influence. Tom, it was given the name the sustainment strategy of America first, America greatness, or American exceptionalism is kind of the nickname it was given. Every president in recent history has had a national security speech. What is interesting, our last two presidents, President Bush, it took him 20 months before he made one, and it was on the heels of the uh, 9-11. President Obama made his speech of leading from behind as a national security strategy. He made his speech, I think it was 16 months. Now President Trump has done so in less than 12 months. That didn't make it good or bad. It's just interesting. He had a team fully focused on this. This was something very important to him in terms of his promises in the campaign. And so General McMaster and Dina Powell and Nadia Shadlow were the ones that had been working so hard on it. Nothing in it should surprise anyone, but I will confess the coherency of it somewhat surprises me. And then there were a couple of things in it that did encourage me overall. Let's kind of walk our way through that. First of all, this national security strategy very much is a peace through strength, which has been the mantra of every president from Franklin Delano Roosevelt to the present, except for President Obama. Every president has gone the route of peace through strength. I actually like the way the speech said it. If we do not build a military capable of winning any war, then we will not be capable of keeping the peace. If you have a military that is so overwhelmingly strong, then except for this terrorist approach to war, the regular conventional warfare, people are not going to want to do that because they know it is to their ultimate destruction. This peace through strength, he put a big emphasis on technology. did talk about increasing the number in our military forces of uh, soldiers and sailors and Marines. He did mention also over the next 12 months of increasing the size of the Navy to a 355-ship Navy. One of his pillars in this is the importance of economic strength. Economic strength is what undergirds military strength, and military strength should allow economic creativity and economic industrial activity. But he also made the point that he wanted to build the military from home-based factories and home-based manufacturing and home-based technological development, that the two worked together. That was very much what Eisenhower developed and warned against. It's called the military-industrial complex, but very clearly that in this speech, he tied the two together. He also gave a statement that provided somewhat of a moral underpinning to his America First idea. He made the point, what I mean by America First is what I would expect any leader of any nation that I'm talking with. I would expect them to be concerned for the country they've been elected to represent first. He also did something that no other president has done in this. He actually called out in the speech Russia and China as threats to America's security. Here is a guy being accused of colluding 
with Russia, being too close to them. But it's interesting how on his personal level, he keeps reaching out to their leaders, trying to build a bridge. But in the public arena, he is identifying them as right now economic enemies and potentially military enemies, and we have to be ready to defeat them on both fronts. He also made a commitment to renewing the integrity of our relationship with our allies. So to kind of sum up, he said, we're going to protect the homeland, meaning our people and our economic well-being and our virtues. America is, and rightly so, this needs to be understood, America should not be seen in its strength in terms of an ethnic superiority of any one element of America, but of its values that are represented in its founding documents. Now, he never defined virtues and values. I'm hoping that's what somebody will point out to him. The values and virtues that are encased and embedded in our founding documents. He also made the point that national security is tied to economic well-being and prosperity. Again, the home industries being foundational for the military strength of the nation. The peace through strength, that he affirmed that as a strategy and that he would advance the interest of our values in other nations, but he is not going to engage in nation building. And personally, I would say that is exactly where I think a government should be doing. A government is not a church to evangelize our way of life upon other people. We can attract people to our way of life. We can use our strength to defend people who are under attack by despots and tyrants. And we can be there for our allies, but our call is not to go into nations and undermine one national government to institute our own national government, but to have the kind of a government and nation that will attract people to what we do. Now, what was absent in it? I did not hear the resounding note of what is absolutely crucial to America. And many presidents have done this, so it's not unpresidential and that is the spiritual strength of the people. While I do not believe the government is to pick and choose losers and winners in the field of religion, it is to recognize the importance of it. That's why in the First Amendment, the first affirmation is the free practice of religion. A government where the Constitution is king, a government that is a republic, that works by consensus and covenant, a government of laws must be a government of a people who are a moral people. And if we are not a moral people, then capitalism becomes greed, and then people will find ways for segments of society to dominate other segments of society. We need to be a moral people, and that means the government must see, first of all, the value of the free practice of religion, protect the free practice of religion, promote the free practice of religion, and affirm it publicly through its presidential proclamations. I found that element missing. That's an element that I am hoping at least others within his cabinet and within his leadership team will promote. A country will not stay strong just because it has a great economy and just because it has a great military. Its ability to sustain an economy and a military is directly related to the moral fiber of a nation, and that's related to the soul of a nation, and that is no more than the sum impact of influential 
dynamics of a strength of spirituality. In our country, it has been two great awakenings, and I'm praying for another great awakening. But then again, having made that critique of the president, I would say the responsibility for the spiritual dynamic of this nation does not rest upon him. It rests upon the Church of Jesus Christ and people like me. I need to get about the business of the Great Commission, making disciples, the Great Commandment, loving the Lord with all my heart, soul, and mind, and my neighbor, all my neighbors as myself. And I need to be about a great commitment to lay down my life for Christ to reach this nation and to reach the world. Tom, let me be very specific. The Church of Jesus Christ needs to be sharing and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died for our sins and that he rose again. And you can know the eternal security of a relationship with Christ, and you can share it and give it away to others. That's what I am speaking of our strategy to reach a nation that we might reach all the nations. Harry, on tomorrow's edition of Today in Perspective, I want to take you to a story that headlines, America is shrinking. The latest official estimates puts the U.S. fertility rate at 1.84. In other words, the average American woman will have just under two children in her lifetime. The shrinking of America and its implications tomorrow. We'll do that on Thursday's edition of Today in Perspective. As we close out for today, let me remind you that you can subscribe to Today in Perspective. It's easy. On your tablet or your smartphone, go to your iTunes icon, type in Today in Perspective with Harry Reader. Then each and every weekday on your podcast icon, we'll automatically upload a new edition of this podcast. A great way to stay in touch, a great way to never miss an edition of Today in Perspective. Well, do stop by again tomorrow, Thursday, as we continue our conversation and as we apply a biblical worldview to put the issues of today in perspective. Thank you.